1: Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss.
2: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
3: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 797 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, October the 1st. It's spooky month. Yay! I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Uh, Please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Local experts covering your team every single day. Check them out. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com with reliably low prices and an amazing selection. They've got all the car parts you're ever going to need over at rockauto.com. More on them in a little bit. All right. On today's show, we come off the heels of yesterday's potentially premature farewell to Marc Gasol it's kind of been rebuffed from a few places that he's headed to Barcelona but not really rebuffed in an outward way by anyone directly involved I don't know it's very weird it seems like it's probably going to happen I hope it happens for Marc Gasol's sake that sounds playing in Barcelona uh, while Western society crumbles seems like kind of a better way to go if you're Marc Gasol but uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that Either way, if yesterday's episode proves to be outdated and he actually returns, it'll just be a nice little relic of the past at a time where we thought Marcus was gone and we decided to say nice words about Marcus which is never a bad thing. So still go listen to yesterday's episode. On that note, we continue on with our 2019-20 season review episode series here. And today we are going to talk about the one and only, the most important Raptor of all time the king, the man with the large booty, all of the things we love about the future Hall of Famer that is Kyle Lowry. We're going to dive into his season that was. We're going to take a look at what next season may look like for him and answer a listener question about Kyle Lowry as well. And joining me to talk about Uh, My favorite Raptor of all time. I'm assuming probably our guest's favorite Raptor of all time. How could it not be? You know, there are other options too there as well, but it is Katie Heindel, our friend from uh, this podcast, from uh, Dime, from uh, Basketball Feelings, from Dishes and Dimes, from uh, Basketball, everywhere. Katie, taking over the world, and uh, I'm glad that uh, you have hitched, or you've allowed me to hitch my wagon to yours as you carry me through uh, anything that we do together. Katie, how are you?
2: I dude. <laughs> <laughs> Quite I'm the good. intro. <laughs> yeah, no, great, great intro. Always a good intro. Solid, solid.
3: Yeah,
2: I'm good. Uh, as you know, I feel like I, I like October. I'm thriving already in the beginning of it um, against uh, adversity, in mm-hmm. real, real, and imagined. Uh, yeah, and I want to just point out that when you asked me to do an app ep- and I had my pick of any current Raptor. I just wrote you back. Well, Lowry, (laughs) because (laughs) I was surprised. I'm shocked that it hasn't happened yet and uh, that he was available. And I'll always talk at length, probably too at length, about Kyle Lowry.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was trying to sort of save Kyle for the later parts of this series. We've been getting some of the lower roster guys out of the way, but no, I I feel like I've needed a jolt for a few days. Now I've been, uh, feeling it, uh, just the weight of everything, uh, for a little while. And I think talking about Kyle Lowry will probably be quite therapeutic and I'm uh, glad that we're going to do that today. Katie Kyle Lowry, this season, of course was amazing. He was an all-star once again, he kind of rediscovered his offensive game, which he kind of, I don't think it ever went anywhere necessarily. He just kind of put it to the further recesses of his brain for a little while, while he allowed DeMar DeRozan to be a de facto point guard in 2017 or 2018 or 2017, 18. Yeah. That's the season that DeMar was still in the team. Uh, 2018, <laughs> 19, he took it even further. Step back as Kawhi Leonard took over, became uh, an assist man more than anything else was, I believe second in the league in assists. And then this year, Goes from 14.2 points a game all the way back up to 19.4. He had a remarkable season. He averaged seven and a half assists a game. He probably should have been both on the All-NBA third team as well as on an All-Defense team, but was uh, just off both of those ballots, unfortunately. Uh, You know, vote better next time, voters. It's not that hard. Just give Kyle Lowry his flowers, please. Um, He led what was probably the most fun Raptors team, regular season team of all time, and had plenty of sort of moments that vindicated everything that is Kyle Lowry along the way. And even after he was eliminated, the fact that the LA Clippers lost so hilariously in Game 7 to the Nuggets brought out a whole new wave of Kyle Lowry praise uh for those who realized oh man yeah he was a pretty damn good running mate for Kawhi Leonard in Toronto perhaps maybe Kawhi should not have left him behind um Katie this was I mean there are so many great Kyle Lowry seasons to choose from would you say that this is your favorite of Kyle Lowry's now eight seasons in Toronto
2: I think so I think like I mean, we've talked about this before and I haven't liked, but I really like can't get over the fact of like how, you know, we've seen him grow and continue to grow as a player every season, um, and as a leader and like di- like really thrive in like different kinds of leadership roles, you know, like first sort of co pilot um alongside DeRozan and then it was what he did like very selflessly with Kawhi, which was kinda hand him the team and ba- basically sit back not so much in a co-pilot role because I don't think it was as equal as it ever was with Tamar, with but just like um, basically like you, you pretend to drive this team, but I'll really drive this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can like tell you all the ways it ticks. I will like selflessly sort of arrange everything very neatly for you on the court that will put you in positions at all times to thrive like he does with everyone, but really, really specifically saw how he did that with Kawhi very starkly contrasted against what Kawhi did not have with the Clippers this season um you know and like I think that is to sometimes his like our like luck but his detriment here because I think when you're as talented as Lowry is there's this like shroud of invisibility over your talents because you make everything work so seamlessly and look so seamless that it kind of doesn't look like you're doing anything at all. Mm-hmm. And I think when he gets passed up for these like voting opportunities, as you mentioned, it's because there isn't really anyone. And it's funny because ironically, Larry can be sometimes the loudest player on the floor <laughs> and like play in such a loud way with like real candor and presence. But I think all the sort of moves he makes um, are more invisible. So I think he gets, that's why he gets looked over quite a lot by fans, media, voting, whatever, uh, players know, but like the people who unfortunately cast those votes, you would really go for like the flashier um, players. But to your question, yeah, I think the role that he kind of stepped into as like, we say like team dad, but I think just like a true solo leader this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we've never seen that before. And not that I doubted he could do it, but just as someone who has like played off of other lead players for so many years now, just to see him like step into that role as like a solitary, not just playmaker, but like leader of the team, like the team's vet, just like the support system, like the cheering squad, like everything they kind of needed from him. He gave them and it wasn't like it, none of it ever felt like stressed. It all just felt kind of like pleasure for him, you know, like pure joy that he could deliver it and like that he wanted to, like he loves his teammates. He's like super hard on them on the court, but like he knows exactly like what to ask of them and when um and yeah I think like this is probably my favorite because you got to see Lowry kind of crystallized in a way that we haven't yet you know it was like his real essence kind of coming forward this season mm-hmm. um it was my favorite but that's also what's I think so bittersweet about it because I don't know what's gonna happen was yeah. this the last time that we that we see him
3: I don't think so we'll get to that in the second segment I don't think It is the last, and for a few reasons. But just to kind of go off of what you said, yeah, this was a very crystallizing, a very sort of affirming season of what Kyle Lowry is and always has been, and Raptors fans have always known it, right? And and, you know, if you watch the team more than when they're on national TV, you get it, and you realize the off the sort of box score stuff that he continuously does. And this season, I think it was all sort of amplified. I mean, he's done all the same stuff he's always done, but I think it was also amplified by the fact that He very clearly realized he had nothing left to prove. And I think the sort of weight of how many, you know, playoff disappointments the Raptors had, mostly at the hands of LeBron James, which is really no fault of Kyle Lowry's whatsoever. And he had always been pretty consistently good in the playoffs after that Wizards series back in 2015. He'd kind of turned that narrative around, but the understanding that he had turned the narrative around didn't really get picked up by normies until the finals this past season. And then uh, as he kind of went through the regular season here in 2019, 20, I think that's when people kind of got it. And I think the fact that Kyle really kind of seemed like he had nothing left to prove and he was just kind of playing free and unbridled and just sort of enjoying this new sort of position. He had, as he said, the sort of unabashed leader of the team. Yes. Pascal Siakam was named a second team, all NBA and got the, the plaudits because again, points, but i think very clearly anyone who had any sort of understanding of the team realized Kyle was the driver driver of it all and that was very much proven during this stretch where they were horribly injured, they were missing Norm, Marcus and Siakam, and Kyle carried like a ragtag bunch to a really respectable record, had some of the best wins the team has produced all season long, sort of engineered from the fingertips of Lowry uh, between the comeback against the Mavericks and the Christmas Day revenge, day, revenge game a couple of days after Christmas uh, against Boston in Boston you know all the way through he he just was constantly there and yeah he missed time early on and that was you know I think there was some concern when he first got injured against the Pelicans I think in like the second week of the season that oh no like this could send the Raptors down a trail where they potentially move on from Larry at some point and you know things get a little bit dicey and they hit this sort of fork in the road but when he returned he was so damn good even through all the other injuries that it was never even a question this team was never going to blow it up because they were too damn good and it was all because Kyle Lowry was the driving force behind it so I'm with you I think it is my favorite Raptors or Kyle Lowry season as a Raptor I think you know the other contenders are like that 2013-14 season where he turned things around and kind of became you know an early version of what he would become down the line and I would also say probably 2016-17 before he got hurt is like the best he's ever played he was just on another level that season, the efficiency, the scoring output, it was all ridiculous before he got hurt. Um but this year, all of it coming together with also just the constant praise for his teammates. And I think the the fact that after they lost in seven to Boston, the first thing he said was, you know, Hey, OG, like he proved himself. He's going to be in this league for a long time. He's going to be amazing. And, you know, constantly building up his beloveds as he liked to call them. That was the, really the essence of this Kyle Lowry season, even more so than the really impressive stats. And uh, it was beautiful. It was just uh, an absolute delight to watch. And like you said, there's some uncertainty now, Katie. We don't really know what the future is going to hold for Kyle Lowry or for the Raptors. It's uh, it's all kind of up in the air with contract statuses and big plans for 2021. We're going to dive into whether or not we think Kyle Lowry will be back next season and in what manner he will be returning in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about DoorDash, which is the best way to get food that you want delivered to you right now, and you can do it while supporting some of your favorite local restaurants that need your help right now as the pandemic continues on and intensifies. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to's or choose from your, from some of your favorite national restaurant restaurants that is like Chipotle, Wendy's and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local favorite restaurants are open for delivery still. Just open the DoorDash app Select your favorite local restaurant and your food will be left right at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep keep communities that they operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get 5 bucks off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's 5 bucks off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Once again, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for 5 bucks off on your very first order with DoorDash. All right, Katie, let's uh, now take a look to the future a little bit when it comes to Kyle Lowry. He goes into the final year of his contract. He, of course, signed that extension just before the beginning of last year, kind of, I think, as a way to sure up where he was going to be playing. And it sounded as though before he signed that extension, had the Raptors not given it to him, he may have asked for a trade out. I suppose that's something to consider going into this coming season. I don't know. I think with all of the volatility and the uncertainty, i and just sort of the uh, the comfort that Kyle seems to have established over the past year in particular in Toronto, uh, not that he wasn't comfortable before, but I think this last year was very affirming for, you know, sort of his love for the city and the desire to play for the franchise and all that stuff. I don't think we'll see that same sort of pressure put on the team by any means. And I don't know if and we talked about this with Blake a couple of years, a couple of weeks back when he was on the podcast, teeing up the off season, we talked about how, you know, the, all of the things that make Kyle Lowry attractive to other teams, the fact that he's on an expiring contract, the fact that he's still very, very good. Those things also apply to the Raptors and are reasons why the Raptors should hang on to him. Katie, you sort of seemed a little bit unsure, uncertain in the first segment about Kyle's future. How do you feel about it? Are you sort of leaning any which way as to what, what should happen with Kyle? How do you think it's all going to play out?
2: I want him back. Absolutely. Um, I think he could take like another year, a couple years, like, you know, I think he should get paid, but I think he would, he's not at the point, this is the thing. He's not at the point where he's going to take like a minimum yet. He doesn't really need to. And that's, I guess the only thing where I'm kind of looking at where it might be more attractive or attractive for him to go. Because right now, just in the Eastern conference alone, there's like so many teams that Kyle Lowry could fix. You know, mm-hmm. he could fix the Sixers. He could fix the Bucks. Like he could, <laughs> like he's just like he could fix the Clippers. If you want to talk like about being reunited with Kawhi, but like he's just he could so seamlessly fit into any system, any team that's like really kind of showed its ass, unfortunately, in the bubble, um, pre, see, like pre pre playoffs and in the playoffs as well. So I think he has a lot of options. I guess the question is just whether what he wants for himself, what he kind of sees the arc and like storyline of his career, like what direction it would go in. If he really does want to compete for another title where he has the best shot of doing that, because, you know, Toronto now is kind of going to focus on, I think they'll have a phenomenal record next season, but I don't know what happens in this off season. And buying anything huge. I think they're kind of just looking at another year of studying themselves and like building up the new core. Um, I also could see Lowry playing a huge role in that because he he has all along. I think there's still more that he could give the team. I don't think necessarily like somebody like Fred Van Vliet is at a point where he like needs to be to lead the team in a similar way to like what Lowry does and can mm-hmm. give to it. So I think he's obviously got a ton more leadership he can offer the team. And I don't think he's the, he's the kind of player who we've like seen all that he can do. I don't mean that in terms, I guess, of your like quote, traditional ceiling. I just mean that like, I would love to see him continue to explore what he looks like as, as like a kind of benevolent, very like compassionate leader that we've seen from him this past season to like dig deeper into that role and what it could potentially look like next season. I mean, I want to go back a second to like that heartbreaking press conference, the final press conference he gave after the Raptors were eliminated. And that like, you know, it to me, it was like perfectly encapsulated like the two sides of Larry as a player. Like first he addressed all the mistakes that he saw on the floor because I don't think, you know, to sometimes I'm sure like, his own personal pain. He can't like turn his brain off. And like that part of his like X-ray basketball vision where he like sees all the mistakes that could happen, where he could have been, who could have been, where, how they could have been fixed. He addressed all that first. And then he just like flipped into like being so complimentary and generous of like his teammates, but like not because he needed to, but because he also saw that too. And I think he's the same way he's got future sight on court. I think he's got future sight for this roster and can see in them like basically their potential and what they need to work on and like the ways that they can achieve it. So I want him around for that because I also think as much as he feeds the team, they feed back to him. And like, it would be terrible if he was put into a new environment where like, yeah, they needed a leader and someone like him, but he wasn't going to be fueled back in the same way.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I think You know, the point you made about how the Raptors are kind of going to take next year and sort of solidify the core and stay good and sort of continue to buy their time until they can strike the way they kind of have done since Masai Ujiri came in, right? I mean, they almost rebuilt and then Kyle was too good to allow for that. And the Knicks were scared of trading for him because of Masai, which I'll forever be thankful to James Dolan for that. Um, And then, you know, I think the Raptors have proven that they don't really abide by the whole let's tank to the bottom and go for picks type thing. And I think they're too good right now to even do that, unless you're moving on from Pascal and OG, which obviously they're not going to do. And I think in order to maintain that sort of continuous success, the Raptors have prided themselves on, Kyle kind of has to be there. Like you said, Fred's great, but I don't think Fred drives winning the same way Kyle does. I don't think that's a hot take or anything. That's just the facts. And uh, Kyle being on the team next season, I think is essential if the Raptors want to have that great record you talked about and want to run it back and win 50 games and be a second round playoff team with a chance to maybe overachieve or whatever it might be. That is kind of contingent upon having Kyle on the team because you're not finding someone who runs the show the way he does, and hey, maybe you don't have Kyle next season, and Pascal Siakam takes an enormous leap. But I kind of think all the leaps that these guys might take are all kind of tied to Kyle as well, because how often have we seen Kyle just has the finger on the pulse of the team? He knows when to get guys their their touches. He knows when he needs to step back, and the development process I think becomes so much easier when you have Kyle to sort of shepherd it along. So I really think they're incentivized to keep him, especially since. They have the 2021 summer sitting there and they want to keep money open for that. And Kyle coming off the books at that time certainly makes that easier. It's a lot of money coming off the books. And any money you're going to get back in a deal for Kyle, like you're not getting a deal that expires next year that also allows you to maintain the success that I think the Raptors really want to have. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. So unless Kyle comes to the team and says, hey, it's been an amazing run. I loved my time here, but I kind of want to go try to win one more chip. I don't really see the Raptors going out of their way to find a deal. It would have to be something where they're blown out of the water and a deal that maintains their flexibility for 2021. And I just don't see that deal materializing because the Clippers have nothing to trade and the Bucks have nothing to trade. And the Sixers might have some things to trade, but it's not terribly attractive stuff. It's Tobias Harris stuff and things like that. It's just it's not as, as doable as uh, you know a typical trade for a guy an expiring deal may be considering the plans that the Raptors have. And so I feel pretty good that he's going to be back. And if that's the case, then you kind of look beyond that. And it's tough to project out. He's 34 years old. Obviously, we have no idea how he's going to age over the next year or two. We have no idea what basketball is even going to look like coming up and predicting anything is fraught. But if you get to the point where you do sort of get your Moby Dick and and you land Giannis in 2021 and you're sitting there sort of filling out the roster and Kyle's sitting there having made $30 million each of the last four years, I wonder if maybe at that point it becomes, hmm, you know, I've made my money. We have this amazing team. Why don't I stick around here on a, you know, a cheaper deal for the next few years to try to win one as sort of like an Andre Miller style, style point guard with this team. That's kind of the dream scenario. And I've been talking about that scenario for like three years now, but um, I don't know. What do you think is like the likelihood of that? Is that also your dream scenario, Katie?
2: Yeah, I think we should speak it into existence. Absolutely. Okay, cool. yeah. But it also does, it makes a lot of like, uh, like it does make a lot of tangible sense, right? Like if he sticks around for this season, um, they have like another solid year and they do land Giannis or like another, Yeah.
0: Community. I mean, I don't want to
2: speak this into existence, but like they land another, you know, phenomenal option. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then I think, <laughs> I think he would want to stick around because he's also like a very realistic player. Um and he's like built up the tenure of his career here and he could look at that as an opportunity to take a run at a title with like a totally different team and from a different perspective of leadership where he probably wouldn't be the one like driving the floor in the same way, but he would be there. I think guiding it. I could see him really like taking not like a, just like kind of a side coaching role. I think he already does a lot of that with like in an unspoken way, mm-hmm. just when like his side conversations with players, what he kind of works on with guys, but I could see him kind of leaning more maybe into that uh, uh, with like a, a, roster that included another like big bona fide kind of superstar. Um, plus his guys who would by then, let's be honest have like built themselves up, up into like a different kind of a superstardom. But mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like, I think it, I think he, sh- he should stay in a scenario like that, I think. And I think he's smart enough to understand and want to, um, to just like see what his legacy could look like in, in that way. I mean, he could be kind of in that, it would present like a pretty cool opportunity for him to to take like a bit of a, a new sort of hybrid role, right, as mm-hmm. a player, like as a vet and as someone who is kind of forming the team he's eventually going to give back to the team, you know, and kind of hand them and be like, you know, this is yours now. And like, we've built it together and you should by now understand like all of the ins and outs of it, how it works, how you want it to work. And also just like what your next steps are. I I don't know. I think like a generational, like, I guess in a a generational legacy looking back and all the the roles that he's played Mm -hmm. that to me would seem like a, a very fitting ending for him.
3: I can think of no more joyous visual than the 2022 Raptors with Giannis in tow with a lineup of Fred Van Vliet, Terrence Davis, OG Siakam and Giannis winning the NBA title with 36 year old Kyle Lowry, you know battered and beaten from a hard-fought playoff run just cheering the dudes on from the side that i mean maybe he's on the floor he might be but you know being realistic here waving the towel (laughs) around yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) just like becoming like the most inspiring sideline celebrator of all time um (laughs) that's what i want i want and you know maybe they build the statue while this is all going on as well and he has like a hard hat on and he's out sort of overseeing the construction <laughs> of the statue and he's you know my butt's not quite big enough there. Can yeah, you add you didn't a little get bit more? Butt butt to right. it? Yeah, yeah. You didn't get my
2: <laughs> smirking little wink right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's the dream visual. Uh we're gonna dive into uh, a question from a listener on the other side, Katie, to wrap up the podcast. But first I want to tell everybody about rockauto.com, which for a car dum dum like me is a perfect site to save me some money. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for an auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you need from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog. Unique and remarkably easy to navigate. If I can do it, you can absolutely do it. Quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the exact same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. And see all the parts available for your vehicle right locked on. And there, how did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices,
0: all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, state farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app, State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
3: All right, Katie, we now have the uh, honor of answering a listener question to close out today's Kyle Lowry-themed podcast uh, didn't get a ton of questions. I think I sent the tweet at a weird time, but the question here comes from our friend who uh, writes with you over at Dime, Bill Filippo. He asks, has any good thing in society as a whole happened since Kyle Lowry drew multiple charges in the all-star game? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the deep and introspective question, Bill. Um, Katie, this may just turn into us talking about fun kyle larry moments like that time he took two all-star game charges and sent the world spiraling towards its doom but um is there anything anything validity to bill's theory here that maybe kyle did in fact cause it caused the collapse of society
2: no and i i'm choosing to look at this just because i know how bill feels about larry um, mm-hmm. i'm choosing to look at this as like this was like the high point for society in general not larry caused the spiraling uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Into the, as like what the rest of the year basically became. Right. So, uh, yeah, I guess it was the high point. I don't think maybe Larry didn't realize his his power um, and what <laughs> what he was capable of uh, causing. <laughs> no, he didn't cause anything. I think we should look back at that moment, um, hold it really fondly uh, to our hearts, given like everything that's happened thus far. But I remember being there and like being so proud of him. And just like, I mean, I was like, yeah, wh- like whatever, like there's nothing new and like feeling kind of shocked, but then like energized and new with how much like people like were standing up, like mm-hmm. in media, like the media was like getting out of their seats, seats were falling backwards. People were like mouths agape and just like screaming. <laughs> they were so excited. And they were like, just like such total disbelief at like what they were seeing, like did he just really do that? Um, and then, like, kind of the joy on his face and also, like, Siakam's face, like, because they were like, yeah, we – and Nurse's face because they were like, we understand this. <laughs> um, and then how mad – how mad it made Harden uh, and LeBron uh, to have him do that. But, like, not just, like, you, you scoundrel, but, like, they were really, really pissed off for, mm-hmm. like, a couple beats. Um, I liked seeing that. I felt, like, a lot of pride at that moment.
3: How could you not? I think we were talking about the statue in the previous segment. I, I mm-hmm. don't think I would hate if the statue was him giving the double finger guns to <laughs> Kawhi Leonard after taking a charge on him in the All-Star game. That was just some sublime beauty. And again, everything that we love about Kyle Lowry. He's just uh, he's the best shitheel there ever was. And I'm so glad that we've gotten to root for such a shitheel. Um, he's just, he's incredible. And yeah, it just, he will like, forever be the yeah. guy who made the all-star game cool. That is unbelievable. <laughs> that is such a feat that more so than winning the title.
2: <laughs> yeah, he made it cool. He made it feel competitive. He like gave it some stakes, you know, like I think in like getting under guy's skin like he did, it, it like it changed the entire tone of the game. Like it, it enlivened the atmosphere, definitely in the arena but, like, also just, like, for anybody watching, you know, people were just, like, I didn't even know you could do that in, like, all-star games, you know? He, mm-hmm. like, raised the stakes in a in a different way. Uh, and he just, like, made it fun. And I think there's so many times, like, this season, like, any season when you watch him and, like, a game goes kind of flat, like a game goes sideways, it seems a bit desperate. Like, he'll just come out and, like, the way that he plays, he'll just inject, like, a kind of different ferocity or, like, joy or just, like, a bit of, like... I don't know, mischief and like probably annoyance for every other team facing him, but like into a game and it will just kind of, it's just like putting paddles to like the chest of, of a (laughs) flatline game. And he'll just like, you know, he'll revive the thing.
3: Don't poke the bear and all that. Um, did you have Katie, this is a difficult question because the list is so, so long of best Kyle moments from this season. And, you know, maybe it's skewed towards the playoffs and maybe game six against the Celtics is the easy one considering that was maybe his most impressive basketball game of his life. (laughs) Like it was considering the stakes and considering he played the last like nine minutes on five fouls and considering it was an elimination game that he, you know, grabbed victory in for the Raptors. Maybe that's easy, but I don't know. There were so many other ones this year. Is there one that stands out as your absolute favorite Kyle Lowry moment of 2019-20?
2: I mean, probably the comeback against Dallas, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there was a moment in that game when he just basically picked the team up and threw them on his back and was just like, did what I said. Like, he's just like, we're not losing this game. Mm -hmm. And then he just kind of churns up this belief like that the whole team picks up on. And it's not like, it feels like magic. I don't, it, it isn't really. It's just, he starts to, you know, dive after loose balls. He starts to just like get he like you know take very smart charges. He starts to do these like little things that he's such an expert at that basically fine tune the game and like turn the, the turn the tide in like the team's favor. Um, so just being able to like see him dig in and do that, I think, and like being at that game. And just like, again, feeling like the atmospheric change, I guess like all the best moments I associate with Larry, you could like feel like change in the air, like a storm was coming or something, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's just like a different tinge to things. And like, I think I'll miss that the most, like whenever he decides to either stop playing or like if he goes somewhere else, Um, because I don't really know another player like that. I mean, probably LeBron, but it's in like a different, it's in a much different way. Like, LeBron, you kind of sit back and watch and like Larry, I think invites you in. You feel like you're a part of what's happening.
3: Mm -hmm. And like a Larry takeover feels, I think, inherently less preordained than LeBron or like one of these sort of, you know, dudes who are six foot eight and are like these all encompassing worldly talents, like. Kyle Lowry obviously is a worldly basketball brain for sure, and is incredibly talented and smart, but he doesn't strike. you as the kind of guy that can just sort of decide he's taking over a game on a whim. And that's the beauty of it because he fucking can whatever he wants. And it kind of hits you as more of a surprise. Although Raptors fans are not nearly as surprised by it as other people. It just still feels a little bit more special when he decides that that game is his. And that Dallas game, I'm with you. That's my favorite. That got voted when I did the whole bracket of the best single Raptors performances of all time. That got voted as number one. Recency bias, maybe, but also I don't think, really. It was incredible, and it was a perfect representation of Kyle's entire time with the Raptors. You just put Kyle with whatever four guys, and they're (laughs) going to be good at basketball. And the whatever four guys in that game were Malcolm Miller, Terrence Davis, Chris Boucher, and Rondé Hollis Jefferson. They had no business going on that run and coming back from down 30 with 14 minutes left but they did because Kyle Lowry said they were, and that is incredible. And so as much as game six is, was very much about Kyle as well. And that is even maybe more so than game six of the finals, sort of the game that I'm going to think about in terms of playoff Lowry, it, the, the, the Dallas game was just the perfect sort of distillation of the entire Kyle Lowry experience into one very, very sort of like low stakes and absurdly fun regular season game. Uh, Katie, Any final parting shots on Kyle freaking Lowry?
2: (laughs) I do want to say quickly, though, that that game six against Boston, like I think that best kind of summed up like the level of care that Lowry's capable of playing with. And I think, Mm -hmm. again, where he gets like the short stick is just like, people think he's just like when he starts taking charges and like running around the floor, people think there's like this loss. There's a sense that there's like a loss of control. We don't think that. I don't think Raptors fans think that. But I think that's where like you know, maybe they've got the title of like, they play like messy or ugly basketball. But I think what's lost a lot of the time is how careful Larry is. Like, yes, he, when he gets these calls, like as he had it like five in that game, like he's getting them because he's like putting himself very physically out there where he needs to be. And like, that's sometimes just like the whims of the ref, right? But like he played with such care in that game, knowing he was just like on a razor's edge the whole time and like it he just he did it like but he never like he never like took his foot off the gas like whatever other euphemism you want to use like he never let up he just understood very intuitively what would be too much what wasn't going to be enough to win the game and like where he kind of had to position himself so i think there's not a lot of players that can consistently play with that care because i'd argue that is probably more tiring than just like running flat out and like doing everything it's just like the mental fatigue that it takes to just constantly be dialed in at that level mm-hmm. so i think like that's a great example as to how he can do that kind of thing which is just like another one of these like intangibles upon intangibles that you can stack on a player like Lowry. i mean as far as like parting shots like i don't know i just i what i find so fascinating about larry as like just a fan but also as like a writer is like you just there's, there's no end to like the layers of him. You know, you can just like Mm -hmm. dig and dig and dig and dig and just like find another, just like shining spot to like write about or approach him from. Like, he's just, he's kind of a dream in that way. And I, that's not just like, as a player, I think that's like, as a person and like what he kind of gifts and gives to the team and like to us as people who get to watch him. Um, He's just like such a fascinating person and character Mm -hmm. and player. And like, I think, I just feel very lucky that we've had him for so long, like so close to us, um, and get to see it up close all the time. Like I think a lot of when a lot of people watch the Raptors in these high stakes games that we've seen in this last season, the main thing they come away with it's always like kind of like awe and amazement, or just like entertained by Lowry. But what that shows us is I think that like this is a kind of thing that's missing from a lot of other teams. Like, and I think we should respect and kind of honor and understand how rare that is um, and this isn't the kind of player that comes along like mm-hmm. every year like his talents lie in so many different levels that I think when he's when he's not playing anymore or whether he's not playing for Toronto or whether he's not playing in the league like they're just gonna be like bigger than a Larry shaped hole like a Larry shaped crater almost Almost. and i'm really like scared for that day so i'm not gonna think too far ahead but just (laughs) like there's no one else like him and i i i just want everybody to understand and kind of embrace that
3: yeah in addition to all the titles he holds six-time all-star best raptor of all time nba champion i very firmly believe he is the most bloggable nba player we've ever seen there's just like you said endless different ways you can approach writing about him and and talking about him and he's a he's a content maker's dream <laughs>
2: he's- I mean I was gonna be a bit more like I don't look at it as content I think sure. it's just like he he's so intriguing to me in that yeah. way he's like yeah. the Pandora's box of like basketball players and he just like encompasses so much of like what you love about the sport when you watch it and I think like I don't know. It's like, yeah, he's he's just captivating. I it's not a contest. Yeah, thing. no, I, I,
3: that was that was a ghoulish way to know, put it. I, I think the way to more put it is like, he is probably your favorite basketball writer's favorite basketball player to write about. You
2: yeah, know? and he's also your yeah. favorite basketball player's favorite basketball player.
3: Also true, as evidenced by the. Uh, adoration for him as he was torching the Celtics in that game six um I think that's probably a good place to leave it before I expose myself as a content ghoul anymore uh (laughs) this was uh wonderful Katie thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about our fave uh do you have anything you want to promote
2: just Kyle Lowry Um, now's I think a great time to just like go back and and watch clips and if you're feeling a bit blue as like the finals continue and it's so weird, I feel this way. It's still so surreal and weird to me not to see the Raptors there on that stage, mm-hmm. but whatever they're not, but it's a good time to go back. Uh, I think, and look and appreciate anew, you know, just like everything Kyle Lowry did for this team this season.
3: Absolutely. Uh, Kyle Lowry forever. There's uh, there's no debating that statement here on this podcast. Uh, that is going to do it. Thanks so much, Katie, for jumping on. Uh, you can continue to support this podcast by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing wherever you get your podcast. It's very much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. You can also listen to Katie and I's other podcast, uh, Basketball. You can go check that out on all your favorite podcast platforms as well. And uh, we have a Patreon page over there as well, patreon.com slash basketball with two H's that you should go check out and that will do it for today's episode. We'll be back again on Friday. Uh, I think we might be talking about Serge Ibaka with a fun guest, but still up in the air in terms of scheduling. If not, there's a very good chance I'm just going to re-air the Kyle Lowry appreciation episode I recorded back in uh, during the middle of the pandemic shutdown. It's a lot of fun, and uh, there's more Kyle Lowry content out there to be had. I said it again. No, stop stop calling him content. He's, he's a person who provides a, a, a bounty <laughs> of beautiful discussion and thought and uh i might put that podcast out on friday anyway thank you so much for tuning in we will talk to you again on friday with another episode of locked on raptors hey prime members